John chapter 17, verses 11 through 26. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. We're actually finishing up this series that we're calling DNA, the building blocks of a Jesus-centered church. And what we decided to do here in these last few weeks, uh, since sort of like early mid-January, is we're taking a step outside of our normal rhythm of what we normally do in, 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 our, in our preaching series. We're taking a step outside of our normal rhythm of where we normally go through like books of the Bible, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, uh, and we're, we're unpacking uh, what, what some might call like our core, our core values as, as a church, right? What does it look like if we're a church that wants to live uh, and exist for God's glory? If we're a church that, that wants to exist for the good of others, then, then what values should we have? What, what family traits will we have that, that flow out of that? And so today we're sort of finishing up this, this series uh, by unpacking uh, the last family trait. And then next week we'll pick back up in the Gospel of, of Mark. Uh, but the family trait that we're talking about this morning is, is, is prayer. Prayer. And this, uh, man, of all of, our, um, of all of our family traits... Of all of our values uh, that we've been teaching on and reinforcing since we, we first uh, met as just a small like uh, little prayer group uh, a little over a year ago, uh, of all of our, 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 our family traits and core values, um, thinking and studying for prayer this week uh, has really been personally uh, challenging for me. I'm reading the book of Acts in my Bible reading plan this year uh, in these last few weeks. And, and when I see is when I press into the scriptures, 
and see the way that the first churches were so marked by prayer. Like, I'm, I'm challenged by that. And if many of you remember when we started this church, I mean, we really started as, as groups that would gather around and just pray for our community. Groups that would pray for, for one another, pray for our neighbors, pray for our family members, our co-workers. Uh, and God did some like really cool and incredible things in our hearts and among us with that, that, that first group of people that we started with. And now as we've, as we've grown and as we've, we've, we've matured and we've started different ministries, uh, I just kind of get the sense that, that, man, prayer is not as much of a priority uh, for us as it was uh, maybe when we first started. And, when, and when, I, when I read the scriptures and when I read the book of Acts, when the first churches started, I mean, like if you want to read a book about church planting, starting new churches like, like, like we're doing right now, you read the book of Acts. And what you see is littered all throughout the book of Acts is that God's people got together regularly and they, and they prayed. They prayed, and when I read that, like, it just, it just kind of made me tremble inside. I'm like, man, God, I, I want to be a church that's marked by, by this. Uh, I, I want you to, to look at one of those verses I read in Acts. When, when the, first church, the first church was ever formed in Acts chapter 2, when God's people were filled and empowered by the Spirit of God, here was their first impulse in, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says that these disciples, these new believers, this new church, they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread, this taking communion together, and the prayers. These are the things that they devoted themselves to. The early church, the first disciples, what they were committed to, what they were devoted to was the apostles' teaching, which is what we're doing right now, the preaching of the word, the fellowship, which is, is gathering like we do every Sunday, like, like this on the Lord's Day and in our home groups throughout the week, the breaking of bread, taking communion and fellowship together, and the prayers, they devoted themselves to that. And so it's sort of question that, that should, we, should, we should ask and sort of self-reflect on is, is our church devoted to prayer? Is our church devoted to prayer? Again and again, when you read the book of Acts, you see that God's people gathered together and they, and they prayed. You know why they were so devoted to prayer? It's because these, the first apostles, the first planters there, right? Like the first pastors, sort of the OG church planters in Acts chapters 1 and 2, right? Like they saw Christ model this. They saw Jesus model this. They walked with him. They sat under his teaching directly. They saw how he lived, and they were forever changed by their encounter with him. And so when they led the church and started new churches in the back book of Acts, and here in chapter 2 and onward, when they led these new churches, they led them in teaching, in fellowship, and in prayer because they were imitating the one who modeled that for them. Jesus constantly lived in those zones, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Jesus was constantly living in the prayer zone. We're taking a break now from our normal preaching series, which is the Gospel of Mark, right? And in the Gospel of Mark, you, you, if, you, if you remember, uh, there's so many times littered throughout the Gospel of Mark where it says Jesus immediately. It uses that word immediately so many times in the Gospel of Mark. It says that he immediately went to this place to pray. 
He immediately retreated out to this place to pray. He immediately went with his disciples over to this area to pray. And that's why these first churches in Acts prioritized praying, because they were marked by the ways of Jesus, and Jesus was a man marked by prayer. So now back to our text in John chapter 9, or sorry, John chapter 17, where we're in this morning. We see that Jesus is in the last hours of his life. He's in the last hours of his life. He's about to be betrayed, about to be arrested, beaten, and taken to the cross where he would be crucified, put to death in our place for our sins. And this was like the pinnacle moment of why he came, wasn't it? The moment that he was about to be crucified was the moment or the reason that he came. It was his mission from day one was to make it to this point. And at that crucial moment, the mission that he was sent for, this key point in his life and mission, at this point in John chapter 17, Jesus steps off to the side and he prays. He steps off to the side and he prays. And what we see in that is that, like, like sometimes we feel like prayer is something that we do like when we have time for it, right? Like when Jesus re- retreated, it's like he immediately at the beginning of the day before anyone woke up, he, he went off to the side and, and, and prayed. And, you're, and, and we look, read that and we're thinking like, well, yeah, he did that because that was like the only time he could find to, to pray. And we see how he prioritized it in that way. We see here is that in the darkest moment of Jesus' life, in his darkest hour, his most troubling season, he still made time to pray. And you know what's humbling and stirring about this prayer? Like in this prayer, Jesus very literally prays for us. Jesus in John 17, he's actually praying for us. Skip down to verse 20, where Jesus says to the Father, in, in, in all that he's praying, in all of the prayers that he's praying in John 17, in verse 20 he says, Lord, I do not ask all of these things. I do not ask for these only, speaking of his disciples that were with him. He says, I don't ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. You know who that is? Those guys, these guys that Jesus, that Jesus is talking about, these, these not these people only that he's praying about, he said these are the guys that are the ones that would plant the first churches. And so those who will believe in him and believe in Jesus through their word is really every Christian throughout the ages. All who through faith in him by the word of the gospel are adopted into God's family. So Jesus was praying for all who would come to believe. That means in that prayer is, con- is included King's Cross Church in Rancho Santa Margarita in 2019. So if you want to know where in the Bible does Jesus pray for me, you can turn to this prayer in John 17. You can read it. You can study it. You can dig into it and see what it is that he prays for you. What is it he prays for this church? What is it that he wants for you? So for this morning's text, we're going to dive into this prayer. We normally like to go through, through, through passages of scriptures verse by verse. It's a, it's a meaty prayer, so we won't have time to tackle every single verse this morning. But I do want us to see, as we're looking at this prayer, that we have a model of prayer for us. But we also have an encouragement to pray for us in Jesus. And so we're going to look at first how Jesus prays. In this prayer. Secondly, we're going to consider what it is that he prays. And lastly, we're going to 
uh, consider what does that mean for us? What does that mean now for how we should pray as King's Cross Church? Number one, how Jesus prays. Simply put, Jesus prays. We see all throughout this prayer that he prays as a son of God. He prays as God's son. In other words, he speaks to God as father. In verse 1, it says, he says, Father, the hour has come, the hour of his death. In verse 5, he says, Father, glorify me in your own presence. In verse 24, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me may be with me where I am. He prays again and again, Father, Father, Father. In, in one verse, he says, Holy Father. In another verse, he re- refers to him as Righteous Father. The point is that Jesus... God the Son prays to God as Father. And the Scriptures tell us, the reason that that's important for us to understand is that the Scriptures tell us that if you're a believer in Jesus this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, then you can pray to God as Father too. You can approach God the creator. You can approach God our maker as father too. Many of you know I have a, a four-year-old daughter, Geneva, who, who she really loves doing this thing uh, uh, where, where when I come home from work at the end of the day, she runs up to me. She gives me a big hug. She sits me down on, on the couch. She like, grabs my hand, walks me over to the couch. And she says, hey, Dad, you want to sit down and have a chat? She loves having chats. Right? She calls them chats, and then she just tells me about her day. She tells me what she did with her, with her, her little brother, Haddon, our, our two-year-old, and our, our newborn son, and, and what her and mommy did, and who she saw at the day, and who they ran into at the park. And, and she tells me about her dreams and her desires, and then, and then she asks me what I did. And she asks me what, 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 what I did with my day, and we, we, we just connect uh, almost every single day when I come home from, from work, she wants to sit down and have a chat. You see, praying to God as Father is a lot like that. We have a Father who longs to hear from us, who loves to hear our voice, who wants us to run to Him, who wants us to come to Him. Not just when we're in great need, especially when we're in great need, but sometimes he just wants to hang. He wants us to connect with him as a child connects with a father. And that really is the heart of prayer. You see, some of us grew up with uh, uh, this view of fathers where we're always trying to like impress our father. Right, always trying to get their attention, and we've unfortunately sort of carried that over to our relationship with God. Like, hey, if I impress God first, if I impress God, then I can have His ear. Right? If I perform right, then I can talk to Him. And so we try to impress Him with our works or with our piety, or when we pray using a bunch of spiritual jargon, like we feel this pressure, like, well, we've got to, got to use a bunch of like these and thous and thighs, you know, like as though the Almighty Creator of heaven and earth only speaks in Shakespeare. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus Himself says not to do that. He says, don't 
heap up empty phrases like the Pharisees do. Instead, let your prayer life be genuine. Let it be empty of religious piety and directed to God as a father who knows you and loves you. See, what I want us to see in that and understand in that, Jesus praying to God the Father is that true prayer, true prayer is not the product of religious activity. It is the product of relational adoration to the God who made us. True prayer is not the product of religious activity like many of us treat it. It is a product of relational adoration to the God, our Father, who made us. You see, the big point here is we need to understand that prayer is all about having an authentic relationship with God. Like if you are found in Christ, if you belong to Jesus, then you have that. You already have that authentic relationship with God. Because it doesn't matter what you've done, you can have God's ear because of what Jesus has done. When you place your your faith in Jesus, then he places his sonship in you. You don't have to work your way in. You don't have to impress him. When All you have to do is believe. When you place your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, then he places his sonship in you. We can come to God freely. We don't have to feel nervous about having ADHD when we pray, right? Like, God, ah, oh, like we, we start praying, and then we get distracted, and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, you know, and then we come. We don't have to get worried or nervous about that. You can just speak to God as a father. So prayer is not so much about this posture of religion as it is a posture of relationship. Because of Jesus, God is a father who loves his children, and he lends us his ear. That's a primary starting point we need to start with how Jesus prays as a son to a father. Secondly, I want us to consider what Jesus prays. What Jesus prays. Now we're going to jump around and tease apart different verses in John 17, looking at what exactly Jesus prays. But here's like the crazy thing that happened to me this week, all right? The crazy thing that I found in these verses of Scripture this week as we're wrapping up our DNA series, is that Jesus actually prays for every single one of our core values that we've stated so far. I didn't realize that before until I was studying this text this week. But Jesus prays for every single family trait that we've stated so far in our DNA series in this prayer. Like, isn't that nuts? I was like, holy crab cakes. Like, I did not know that when I, when I read, read that and found that in, in John 17. When I decided like last fall that we'd do this DNA series uh, at the beginning of the year, like I knew I wanted to end it on prayer because I wanted prayer to be the final note that we play in this series to sort of like wrap a bow on the whole series, to declare that in all that we believe God is calling us to do as we've been unpacking in this series, we are completely and utterly dependent on him through humble prayer. Like, I knew that I wanted to end this series on prayer. And what's nuts is that I pre-picked this passage, John 17, for this week, realizing that Jesus prays that the church would embody all that we've declared, all that we want to be. And I, I didn't realize until this week that, that, that in this prayer, his prayer embodies all of our values and traits that we believe God is calling us to be marked by as King's Cross Church. I wish I could say I planned that, but I'm honestly not that smart, right? God, however, 
is clever enough to have worked that out for us. And so this point, number two, I want us, like when we talk about what Jesus prays, it's going to almost serve as a refresher for us on the family traits that we've gone through so far, okay? So first, we see that Jesus prays that we be grounded in his word, right? That's our first family trait that we talked about, truth. Jesus prays that we would be grounded in his word. In verse 17, Jesus prays to the Father. He says, Lord, sanctify them in the truth. He's praying for the church. He says, sanctify. Sanctify means make them holy, make them set apart, Set them apart in the truth. What does he say? Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, so I send them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. That's another word for set apart. So that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus prays that we as a church would be truth seekers. That we would turn to the word as our final authority for what is true, good, and beautiful in God's world. That we would turn to the word, that we would dig into it. That because the Bible is where we get the truth about who God is, where we are, and how God loves us in Jesus Christ, we, we turn to it. We seek truth in it. He prays here that we would be people of the word in the world. He says, as you sent me into the world, I send them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Jesus prays this because he knows the tension that there exists for believers between the word and the world. The culture that we live in. You see, the word says... Ultimately, that the world needs to change. It needs to see the truth in Jesus, the goodness in Jesus. That the reason we all long for something more is because it's ultimately found in Jesus and what he's done and what he is doing. That his grace is more beautiful and satisfying than anything else. You see, the world needs to change its perspective and realize the goodness of God's kingdom in Jesus Christ. The world, on the other hand, says that the word needs to change, that it's outdated or that it's no longer relevant. And so Jesus prays that we be the kind of disciples, that we be the kind of church who is formed, grown, matured, and shaped by God's word rather than the pressures of the world. To be clear, that doesn't mean that we set ourselves up in ivory towers and build ourselves up these like pietistic religious walls to protect us from people on the outside, keep the world out there, and let's be the holy huddle in here. Like, to be clear, that's not what Jesus is saying because he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. The idea is that we need to be people marked by the word, shaped by the word, so we can truly live in ways that are good for others and glorifying to God. Secondly, Jesus prays that we would be wholly transformed. Wholly transformed. That's our another family trait where we talked about last week, wholeness. You see, in, these, in those same verses that, that we read, uh, verse 17 through 19, Jesus prays that we would be transformed from the inside out. He says, sanctify them, set them apart in the truth. In other words, set us apart not just in what we believe about Jesus, but also in how we become like him. And how we walk in his ways. 
Jesus also prays that we would be transformed in, in that like we, we're, we're, we're no longer uh, uh, marked by, by, by evil and sin, but that we're marked by the kingdom of Christ. He prays about spiritual warfare in verse 14 and 15. Read, it, read that with me. He says to the Father, he says, I've given them your word, and the world is hating them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Keep them from the evil one. You see, Jesus knows that we have a very real enemy on a mission to thwart what God is doing in his church. God creates. The enemy corrupts. God creates truth. The enemy manufactures lies. God creates a new community. The enemy sows strife. God creates wholeness, and the enemy spreads brokenness, tears us down. There's no work more opposed to the work of evil and sin than the work we're doing in this church community, planting another church, planting the seed of the gospel in the soil of a community like ours so that more and more people might come to know Jesus, love him, and worship him as God. But Jesus brings us from that kingdom of darkness into his kingdom of light. And so now we turn to God in prayer for help. God's the one who did that for us, and God's the one who can keep us, keep us from the evil, make us wholly transformed. He's the only one that can fortify us, protect us from evil, and to transform us into, the, into missionaries that shine light in dark places. Third, Jesus prays that we would be rewired to worship God, to worship God and enjoy him forever. Verse 10, he says, Lord, all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Glorified. In other words, Jesus is made much of in us. You see, we're rewired by God to find our value and worth not in created things, but in our creator. That's what worship is. That's ultimately what worship is, is when we find ultimate value, ultimate worth in our creator God. Making much of Jesus, not only because of the greatness of his majesty, but also because of the greatness of his love toward us. Fourth, Jesus prays that we would be centered on the gospel centered on the gospel. Now, this one isn't stated as explicitly as the other ones are, but remember, Jesus is praying for his church in the midst of him about to go to the cross and die in our place for our sins. And in this very season and moment of, of life, Jesus knows that he is securing the good news that he was sent to bring, the good news that he was proclaiming and preaching, the good news of the kingdom. Repent and believe. This good news, this great message is, is the very thing that he was about to secure for us. And so Jesus prays in the first several verses that, that his disciples, that the church would continue in the word, would continue in the gospel that he gave them, the good news that he gave them. He prays in verse 11. He says, Holy Father, keep them, keep my disciples in your name. Keep them in your name, which is uh, 
his his name is is a way of uh, is 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 another way of, of saying like his his covenant with us, his promise with us. Like God's name is 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 great. He's the one who shows steadfast love towards us. He's the one who. Uh, who, who, who saves us. He's the one who has marked us. He's the one who, who saved us uh, from death and into life. Jesus' name, his nickname, Emmanuel, is another way of saying God with us. God with us. Jesus is saying, Lord, keep them on that. Keep them centered on that. We never graduate from the good news of Jesus Christ. We never graduate from the good news of Jesus. Now, the next uh, 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 trait, number five, uh, Jesus prays that we would be called into community. Called into community. You see, uh, he says uh, in uh, verse 21, he says that he, he's praying that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory, he says, that you have given me, I have given to them, to his church, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. It's almost like Jesus wants us to be one, right? He prays this again and again in these verses. Lord, would you, would you make me one? Would you make my church one? Would you make them one with each other? You see, the Bible has many metaphors for uh, what it means to be the church, uh, what it means to be a community. Uh, my favorite one is that of a family. That of a family. We're called, God doesn't just call us to himself. He doesn't just reconcile us and Jesus back to himself, but he calls us into a family. He reconciles us with one another. In the book of 1 Corinthians, we're told that we have as believers a ministry of reconciliation. God reconciles us with him so that we can now be reconciled with others. Tell me, are the relationships that we have in our church, are the relationships that you have with other believers, is it marked by oneness? Is it marked by grace? Is it marked by repentance and by forgiveness? What Jesus prays for, that we may be one in the same way that he and the Father are one, just so you know, that's a pretty intense kind of oneness, right? The kind of oneness that Jesus, God the Son, has with God the Father. He's praying, Lord, may, may, may my church, may our, my disciples be marked by that kind of oneness. May they have that kind of unity, the same kind of relationship that I have with you as my Father. I pray, Lord, that they would have that kind of relationship with one another. Not only are we, should we be marked by oneness uh, here at, at King's Cross, but that means that we also have a, a sense of camaraderie and unity and oneness with, with other churches. Other churches who might have a different philosophy of ministry and maybe a different style of worship, a different sort of order of service, different priorities maybe, but who still love Jesus preach the word faithfully, are, are centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, we're for churches like that. And you know what? Churches like that are for us. 
You guys remember when we first uh, when we first planted this church? Uh, we uh, there's a, a group a group of us before we we had our first sort of like soft launch meeting at, at Stone Creek down down the church in, in RSM uh, Village Church in Irvine uh, brought a group of us up on stage and prayed for us, sent us out. They still support us uh, a little bit financially every single month. And in Stone Creek, the church down the road uh, did an incredible thing. Like they're, they're a church that, uh, uh, is, um, uh, that, that has been praying and, and wanting to, to uh, engage like the young families that have been moving into Rancho Santa Margarita. And they haven't been able to do that. And so the pastor, Pastor John, he's like, you know, uh, uh, he's like, I, when I first met him, he's like, you know, somebody, he, he's like, I feel like somebody who looks like, like you, a uh, young brown kid with tattoos and a mustache, will probably be able to attract uh, more uh, of, of the young people that for, for some reason, like, we haven't been able to. And so he's like, you know, we, we, if, we're, if, if for some reason, like, God's not, not answering that, that prayer for us, he's like, we'd love to help you do that. And so they let us rent that back room, like, on the super cheap uh, and, and support us. You see, like, this, this oneness that we have with believers in our community, with churches in our community, this oneness that we have with the church throughout the ages, that's the kind of oneness that Jesus calls us to have, that he prays for us to have. The next, uh, the next uh, family trait, uh, he prays that we would be sent on mission. Sent on mission. Read this next verse with me. John 17, 18, Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. I talked about this a little bit a moment ago, but just this idea that, that uh, as, as Jesus' followers, in the same way that he was sent into the world to engage the world, to love the world, to woo the world back to him, we are sent into the world as well. God has equipped every single one of us with gifts, with talents, with resources, with abilities in order to serve others, in order to build up this church, in order to to worship together, to serve others, to to make disciples, and and to multiply. That is the mission that we were sent on. That is the mission that God has called us to. So we want to be a church that, can you go back one slide? We want to be a church that, just like Jesus prayed, is grounded in the word, transformed wholly from the inside out, rewired to worship God, to make much of him in all that we do. A church that is centered on the gospel, like we never graduate from the gospel of God's grace. A church that is called into authentic Christian community, where the masks come down, where the walls come down, and we love each other truly. We give each other the benefit of the doubt. And there's a verse in, in Romans 12 where it says that you know, outdo one another in showing honor. The one area that Christians are encouraged to compete with one another in is showing honor to one another. That's the kind of thing we want to be marked by as a community. And lastly, that we would be sent on mission. We would be sent on mission. You see, these values, 
that, that God gave us with our early launch team that we, we've been talking about, that we've been praying over. Jesus was praying that we would be that kind of church, that we would be those kind of people 2,000 years ago. And see, the reason that I, I wanted this, this, this talk of, of prayer to be sort of like the last note that we play in this, in this series on our family traits is because I want us to understand that we are completely dependent on God's sovereign work in us in order to be this kind of church. Right? Jesus could have set his disciples aside and said, hey, look, you want to be a, a faithful church? Here's what you got to do, right? Here's the ministry strategy. Here's the, the ministries you need to have. Here's how much money you need to raise. Here much people, how many people you need to start with. But no, Jesus said, doesn't, doesn't do that. Instead, he, he, he steps aside in a private prayer closet with, with him and his father. And he prays that God would make them this kind of church. That he would make them these kinds of people. You see, if we want to in any meaningful way sort of display, and not just display externally, but really embody internally, like the values that we hold dear, then we need to be a people of prayer. We need to be a people of prayer. And so that brings us to our last point now, which is what this means for how we pray. What this means for how we pray. Uh, first, it means that we pray uh, with childlike faith. We pray with childlike faith. In the same way that Jesus prayed to God as Father, we pray to Him as Father. Knowing that God answers our prayers and that He works through our prayers. Like my daughter and my son, they approach me and ask me questions, they ask me for help in things that I'll do for them, but they don't quite, like, understand how, how it all, all works, right? Like, like, like my, 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 my son the other day uh, asked me to put batteries in, like, his, his new remote control car, right? And, uh, you know, it was, like, one of those, one of those uh, toys where they do that, like, annoying thing of where, like, the battery trap is, like, screwed in, Right? And so you got to, like, find the right, like, screwdriver at the right size, right? And they like, unscrew it and then get, like, C batteries is what they require. It's like, who has C batteries? So I had to go to, like, Home Depot. And so there's, like, this whole process to put uh, batteries in this, uh, in this, like, dumb little remote control car, right? Like, my son, he's two years old. He has no idea, like, the process that it takes to, like, get that done. But, man, I'm going to get that done for him, right? I love my son. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do that for him. Sometimes I'm, I'm able to do things like, for him like that like quickly. It's not as much of a process, right? But I'll still take care of it for him. And he doesn't, he doesn't understand, he doesn't need to understand like all the details of how that's going to work, but he has childlike faith that his father is going to do good on his promise to, to put batteries in this car. You see, God works in that way. Like in... In many ways, like we don't we don't quite understand like like the, the whole process of photosynthesis, right? Like if you think about it, it's just it's just it's just crazy, right? Like like we don't we don't know uh, 
uh, how it all works together with, uh, with the water and the soil. Like we understand to a certain degree, but there's also an element to it where it's just magical, right? Like how it works. You got the sunlight, you got the water, you got the plant and the soil. And if the soil's right, then it starts to, to grow and, 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 and flow and stuff. And, and we, we don't quite understand like the whole process, but just that ordinary, God uses ordinary things like that to, to grow a tree. And, and look, God could, God could grow a tree like however he wants. He could just snap his fingers and make a tree exist, right? But that's not the means that, that he's ordained for trees to grow. He created this magical like scientific process called photosynthesis that where trees grow and, and forests grow and, and, and it's beautiful in the same way. God can make us this kind of church just like that. But what we see in Jesus is that he uses ordinary things like words to his father. He uses an ordinary thing like prayer to make that happen. We pray with childlike faith, knowing that, like, man, when we pray for these things, when we pray that to be this kind of church, that God can make that happen in us. God is a God who uses ordinary things like words, like prayer, to do extraordinary works. I want you to read this quote from J.D. Greer. Yeah, I got it right. Um, he says, in an awakening, like in a, in a revival, like in a, an awakening, the Spirit of God does not typically do a new thing. He simply pours greater power upon the normal things that faithful Christians are already doing. Prayers become more intense. Worship becomes more joyous. Repentance becomes more sorrowful. The preached word yields greater effect. The Spirit of God multiplies the effectiveness of our normal work of seed planting, bringing a bountiful harvest. And he does more in a moment than we can in a lifetime. Sometimes we feel like discouraged in our prayers. Like, man, will my prayers really do anything, right? Like, if I pray for this, does that really matter at all? But Jesus models for us, like, no, God works in extraordinary, powerful ways through ordinary things like prayer. The Spirit of God does a wonderful work through. The second thing that this means for us is that we pray with Members of the church. We pray with members of the church. Uh, Jesus, he didn't necessarily do this in his high priestly prayer uh, in John 17, but we do know from the life and ministry of Jesus that he often retreated with some of his disciples to pray. In the same way that Jesus did that, he models for us that we should pray with one another. We should pray with one another. You know, that, that every, uh, every uh, Sunday morning at nine, around 9.40, like 20 minutes before uh, our service starts, there's a group of people, some of our key volunteers who've been here to help set up and serve in, in, in kids ministry and, and on the worship team. We, we gather outside those doors. Uh, we just stand in a circle and, and we pray for uh, this service. We pray for the people that would sit in these seats. We pray for, like this, 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 this Sunday, we prayed for people that we knew uh, were, were, were sick or, um, or traveling, right? We prayed for people spe specifically. We, we prayed for you guys uh, as, uh, as you were getting ready and, and, and driving in this morning. You were prayed for 
this morning, before you even walked into the room, even if you're just visiting us this morning and we don't know your name, know that you were prayed for. Before we got this, God calls us to pray with one another. And so that's why we, 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 we pray together before the service. Uh, and, and, and in this service, in, in, our, in our closing uh, set of worship, um, we're going to do something a little bit different uh, where we're going to have uh, two people standing up, up, up here, uh, um, Michaela uh, for any woman that needs prayer uh, and Oscar for any man that needs prayer. Uh, and during this last set of worship, if, if, if as you're taking communion, as you're considering uh, just your, your need uh, for God's work and power in your life through prayer, uh, I want to encourage you to, to come up and ask for prayer. It could be a health issue. It could be a financial issue. Could be a great decision that you need to make. Could be somebody that you know that does not love Jesus or know him that you desperately want them to. Come and ask for prayer, and we'd love to do that for you and, and, and with you at the beginning of the service. Jesus wants us to pray with one another. Thirdly, uh, Jesus wants us to, to pray for one another, uh, pray for members of the church. Um, one of the things that, that, that I do as a regular rhythm of my week is like Tuesday morning is sort of like my, my – uh, my Monday, right? Because I take I take actual Monday off. Like I take it mostly off, like every single week. That's that's like my uh, my break in the weeks. And Sunday is obviously a work day for me, right? So Monday is my day off, and so Tuesday uh, is when I'm coming back and catching up on emails and, and and doing all that. And one of the first things that I do every single Tuesday morning is I go through our our online database of of people who come to King's Cross, and, and I pray for every single person by name. I pray for every single person by name. Uh, even people that, like, maybe uh, are, are still, who, are, who I happen to know are still new to this whole Jesus thing, they're still kind of con- considering it and checking it out, maybe only come to church, like, once or twice a month. If I know who they are, like, I know what to pray for. I'd encourage you to have a list like that, right? Like, how many of us uh, tell somebody that we're praying for this situation that they just told us about, and then we don't actually like pray about it. Yeah, I do that all the time. I do that all the time. So like keep, keep, but it helps to keep a list. It helps to remember these things. And so pray for members of the church. Uh, fourth, pray for the ministry of the church, just like Jesus did, right? Jesus in this, in this prayer. He prayed for all of our values. He prayed for mission. He prayed for ministry. He prayed that they be sanctified by the truth, that they be wholly transformed, that they be an authentic community with one another, right? Pray for the ministry of the church. When you receive, like, when, when, when you receive social updates for us uh, on uh, if King's Cross Church is your is your church home, then when you see like social updates like on Instagram or Facebook, or when you get an email to us, if you sign up for our email list, uh, when you get an email about like what's going on and what's happening, what we're preaching through, what announcements we have coming up, don't just use that as an opportunity to be informed with what's going on. If this is your church family, use it as as an opportunity to to, to pray for what God's doing. Like you. 
If you're on our email list, you should have received an email this, this week knowing that this Sunday, the, the third Sunday of every single month, we do this thing called Connect Coffee, which is for people who are newish to the church. It's a great first step, an opportunity to, to sit down uh, with me as a founding pastor and some members of our, our leadership team and, and talk about why we planted this church, what kind of church we believe God's called us to be, um, why are we doing this, where do we think we're headed, where you can plug in and, and how you can be a part of that, right? And so if you're new this morning, if you're newish and you haven't been to that, um, one, we want to invite you to our home, which is where we host it uh, later this evening. Uh, but if King's Cross is your church family, like when you receive an email like that, like, man, that's an opportunity for you to pray for whoever uh, might be coming to connect coffee tonight. Who maybe in this season of life is like almost like a spiritual orphan, right? They don't have a church family that they, or church home that they yet belong to. It's an opportunity to, to pray for the ministry of the church. And lastly, we should pray with expectant faith. Pray with expectant faith. Jesus prays in verse um, 26. Oh, right there. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. Jesus is praying for his disciples. He's praying for the church, and he says, Lord, I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. Elsewhere, Jesus tells his disciples, I will be with you to the end of the age. Elsewhere, he says, I will build my church so that not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. We can pray with expectant faith, knowing that Jesus is good on his promise. He's good on his promises to build his church, to strengthen his church. To answer, we know that the Spirit of God is good to, to, on his promise to fulfill all these things that Jesus prayed for. You see what Jesus prayed for in John 7, 17? We know is in the center of God's will, right? Because Jesus, God the Son, would never pray for anything outside the will of God. And so everything that Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17 is God's will for you, God's will for us, and for our church. And so we know that when we pray these kinds of prayers, when we pray for our community, our worship, our gospel-centeredness, our, our, our wholeness, that we lead transformed lives, our mission, our ministry, when we pray for these things, God will work that in us. He will mark us with that. We know he's good on that because here we are 2,000 years after he prayed this prayer. The church has been spreading over the last 2,000 years. It's been growing. It's been planting. We got new churches and communities like ours, like King's Cross Church, so, so that other people can maybe have a, a new church family to, to grow with and to belong to and to use their gifts in. We can pray with expectant faith, knowing that the things that we pray for on that, that list are the same kind of things that Jesus is praying for. Thank you for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We'd like to encourage listeners to be part of a local church gathering. If you're ever in the Orange County, California area, we'd love it if you come by and visit on a Sunday morning. For meeting times and locations or any other information about us, please visit kx.church.
There's no dot com in that, just kx.church. Thanks again for listening.